Well, you're very welcome along to episode number 29 of the Time Out podcast with me, Tony McGettigan. And I'm delighted to say that today's guest uh, is a professional dart player hailing from, uh, originally from Leicester, but now living in Derby. Uh, he goes by the nickname of Jabba, and we'll be talking more about how he got that nickname later on in the podcast. But just a brief summary on him. He was a World Youth Masters Champion in 1993. He has won seven events on the PDC Pro Tour and two in the same weekend in 2013. Uh, he's appeared in two UK Open quarterfinals in 2009 and 12, and his best performance at the World Championship was the last 16 in 2016. So, uh, Jamie Caven, it gives me great uh, pleasure to uh, welcome you on to my podcast. Hi, Tony. How's things? All good? Yeah, I can't complain, Jimmy. Well, I could complain, but I'll, I'll not bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I hope I got them stats right, Jimmy. Yeah, they all sounded perfectly fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, all uh, good. Yeah, it's an uh, an impressive sort of resume you've got going there or CV or whatever term people call it nowadays but uh, <laughs> you definitely um, you've had a, a good enough career in darts since you've began in 93 yeah I think so I think so um, obviously uh, PDC record started in 08 my first world championship I guess uh, so yeah between the years of, you know over a decade I'd say between 08 and 18 is you know it's probably been sort of my top time I guess but yeah yeah it's, it's better than most so can't complain too much yeah and I just told you when I initially called you there about 10 minutes ago to do the interview I was saying I've always enjoyed watching you you throw darts because you're, you're quite a fluent thrower like you don't hang about on the hockey it's quite a natural throw that I think I've got it's just a case of you know if you you know try not to manufacture a throw too much it's just straight to the end and it feels comfortable, so yeah, I like to. It's nice, nice to be quick because the fluency helps. Yes. Um, as long as you're concentrating properly, obviously, it's. If you look at the likes of Gary Anderson, there's another one, bang example, Van Gogh and you'll throw really quick and you know no hanging about. So they're the best games to be involved in as well because it's just rat tat tat. Yeah, you, you you can give your you can sort of play your best, and you, you've seen it down through the years in darts where. Uh, a number of slightly slower players try and use it as an advantage almost I would say to to, to to not deliberately slow down somebody but it does it can work in their favour playing against a fast player yeah I guess so it's, it, yeah. I, I, I suppose it's um, you know you make of it what you do you know I remember playing slow players over the years like Justin Pipe and Dennis Priest going about that far um, but it's sort of what, how you occupy your mind if you sort of you know you could get sort of messed up in the head if you're waiting to throw and you're getting frustrated um so it's just about how you occupy your mind i always used to sort of like make sure my flights were straight and tight my stems and things like that and by the time you've done that they're walking to the board you yes. know so it's just about how you occupy your mind really when yeah. you're playing a slower player but like you say it's not it's not done on a, in a purpose way to slow you down and put you off it's just the way it is but it's just, yeah. but i prefer the quick i prefer the quick players yeah definitely yeah. everyone's got their different styles and you're heading for uh, a tournament tomorrow, isn't that correct, Jimmy? Um, like we're doing this interview, obviously it's the the Thursday, and uh, you're doing you're you're heading for a tournament tomorrow. Um, I'm going over to Germany. It's more um, I'm doing some training actually. I'm training some of the some of the German players that are starting to come through. So I'm going to give them some tips and a, and a few bits and pieces. But I'll I'll try and you know get get a chance to uh, compete while I'm there. I'm only over there a few days, but. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. During lockdown, it's obviously been tough uh, with not a lot of um, big groups of people and things like that. So I'm just doing some training with small groups of people over the over the weekend, and you know we'll see how it goes. But I think it'll yeah. be okay. That's interesting, Jimmy, because. Darts now has gone to another level in terms of, um, it's definitely now for me, it's coming rapidly into a global sport. You know, mm. and uh, when you see the likes of Germany and Holland and the likes of the dominance there of Van Gerwen and what it does, that can only be good for darts as a whole, really. Yes, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's been global, really, for well, the past past few years. You know, we we had a lot of European tour events in Germany. Most of them were in Germany. Uh, but I tell you, I'll just give you an idea of how big it is in Germany. I was over there for something completely different. There was no darts event on. A friend who I've known through darts, it was his birthday. Um, and it was in Frankfurt. And I went over to see him for his birthday. And, you know, we, we had a bit of a get together. And it was really good. A few close friends. And it was, it was good. We did have a bit of a private little darts exhibition. But there was nothing big on in town. But it was uh, around the Christmas time. And we were walking around a Christmas market. And I must have been stopped by about 20 or 30 people asking wow. for photos, you know, and things like that. And there were no darts event on. So that just goes to show that even when the sport's not got an event on, it is still that big because people are recognising me. And I found it quite weird in a way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's it. Like they were treating me like I was a film star, if you like. It was, it was really quite, oh, I'm just a dart player, honestly. <laughs> no, but it's still uh, quite. It's it's good. It's still good. I'm sure if you'd like to to get noticed, and you know, uh, I suppose that's what the exposure of TV now and sort of events being online. You know, a lot of the players now are known, and you have you have appeared in a lot of uh, big events for a, a, a good decade or more, Jimmy. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I think I played in about I think about fifty five. Yeah, TV events over the you know it's no between. Surprise. It's no surprise you're known then. Yeah. You know. When you, when yeah, it's still it's still quite surreal, but uh, but yeah, it's it's nice in in that kind yeah. of way, you know. It's, it's I, nice. I'd rather I'd rather people stop me than like not know who I am. That, that, that <laughs> but, is, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, it means that what I've done, I must have done some good over the years, anyway. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Jimmy and darts, like to me, when I watch the, prog- the progression of darts. You know, like at the beginning, let's say the early nineties. You know, when when the last uh, Phil Taylor was coming on the scene and he was beginning to the PDC switch over when it happened from the BDO and uh, he started winning tournaments Phil Taylor himself and Priestley that the f- exchanged the first couple of titles but the money back then wasn't great in the sense of it was, it was okay obviously it was I think maybe 20-30 grand it was for the winning the hmm. world championship but now now Jamie it's it's life changing money for winning the, the world championship and I, I believe that the, the surgeons we're seeing in darts in terms of people taking the game up is a lot down to what uh, sort of the lucrative side of darts now? There, there's money to be made. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like if I suppose years ago, if you were a good good level player, if you were a good sort of pub super league or county player, that that was enough because I think the the rewards wasn't there for you to go and do the tour or travel around the world or whatever, um, because you'd you'd literally just be covering your costs or, or not making a lot, just a few ranking points. Um, to try and get into the, probably the only one or maybe two tournaments that were on TV at that time. Um, so it wasn't really um, that lucrative for anybody to sort of do it unless you were already involved in near the top of the ranking tables. So I suppose now 
those that are showing a bit of promise, it, you know, there's more companies that have, obviously pre-lockdown, there's more companies that had a few quid that they could spend on advertisement, take a chance on somebody, because, you know, in the, in the Pro Tour now, in the PDC, if you win one round, you win 500 quid now. Yes. You know, over a weekend, over a weekend, if you can win three rounds over a weekend, then that's, that's like a month's wage. Do you know what I mean? To yes. a lot of people. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's very lucrative in that sense because when I first started in 2007, I think um, I think if you won your first round, I think you won 50 quid or something like that, yeah. you know, or Big 75 difference. quid it might have been. Oh, it's massive, yeah. massive difference to how it is now. And uh, and that is, you, you, I think the game to me now, now that's only my sort of interpretation of it, but it seems to have become more professional as a result in the sense of uh, people are probably dedicating. Um, more and more time, even the players that are lower down the rankings, because the reason I say that, Jimmy, is because even the lower end players now, the works we've seen coming through, they're hitting quite a good standard. Yes, yeah, that's right. It's um, I, th- I think at the end of the day, if you're gonna if you're gonna give something a proper go, I mean, I've, I've done it myself over the years, and you have to be prepared, even if you know your form's not great or you're not having the luck and you you know you're having early exits in tournaments if you're not prepared to stand there and 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 focus and you know do your do your bit on the practice board and find your own routine and you know you you're finishing and things like that or get together with a practice partner if you're not prepared to put the time in then you might as well not bother because everybody else is doing it yeah you're you're wasting your time so to speak yeah yeah, yeah you are unless you're prepared to dedicate yourself and give it everything yeah. Um, like you say, you're wasting your time, and because everybody else is doing it, do you know what yeah. I mean. Everybody else is putting the time in. You have to, to sort of be that. That's what can obviously along with the talent. You have to put the work in. It's not something that just comes to, to people, and uh, even the very best players, I'm sure, would say that. And um, just on to your mm. nickname at the top of the show, there we said, Jimmy, your nickname is Jabba, and um, yeah, can you just explain more on that, please? And yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Um, a lot of people think it's linked to the Star Wars man because you know I've got a bald head and like him, but I'm not as fat and, <laughs> and scruffy. But <laughs> um, now it all came about as a bit of a joke. Um, in nineteen, what was it? Nineteen ninety-five, ninety-six. Um, I had to go to hospital to have my pancreas taken out because I had tumours all over it, and I was uh, I was blacking out all the time, and I was really poorly. Um, so I became diabetic. Yes. Now, obviously, with um, at that time, there was like one in fifty people was diabetic. It's something like one in three now. It's it's a lot more common these days. But I had to go straight because I had my pancreas removed. Your pancreas uh, creates insulin. Yes. It's a hormone in your body. It creates insulin, which when you eat, it sort of breaks it all down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So now, obviously, with no pancreas for the last twenty-five years, um, I have to inject insulin. So. It was is what I class as a jab, an injection. I see. A, you know. So, so yeah, yeah. And how that came about I was playing in a tournament. Well, it wasn't a professional event. I was in Inverness in Scotland, and I was playing along with a couple of lads that we travelled up with. You know, all decent sort of county level players at that time. Um, and it was the best of nine, and I was four nil down in like, I think it was their last sixteen or something like that. And my friend from the back, out of nowhere, just shouted, "Come on, Jabba, get a grip." Yes, and it just and that was it. I won the match five four. <laughs> um, so from then, it was just that bit of a spot, bit of inspiration, if you like. It was a bit of a, it, it made me laugh, and that sort of made me relax. And then from that, when you relax, you play your best stuff. So it's, it's so, stuck with you. It's stuck with you. Literally, it, it, it did. It, yeah. 
it was it was literally from then and and, and from that point my, my pals in the darts team and stuff were calling at me every time we you know every time they see me i jab right jab you know and things like that so when i made the the switch so I was on PDC, um, and you had to obviously give all your information and what your nickname was and things like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep that because that's it's got a good it's got a good bit of history to it. So I had it put on my shirt, and I always said, you know, if I ever got on TV, I'd keep it. I'd I'd use it as long as they let me keep using it. And if they had if I had to change it for a reason, then I'd change it. But the PDC were happy enough for me to keep it. So. It's took uh, yeah. from all them that's years a, ago. That's a nice story, and Jay. Well, it's obviously an unfortunate story with your with your health with your pancreas, but um, it's still yeah. it's still it's 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 it means something to you. And uh, yeah, to, to this reason day, for it. Yeah, yeah, and to this day, yeah, it's sort of, right. so people know you as as Jabba and. Um, even when you yeah. were you were eighteen months old, uh, Jamie, you had another unfortunate. You were just a child, a toddler. You had an unfortunate experience. Yes, yeah. Um, I think the eighteen month is, is like a, an estimate, really. It's probably a bit younger. I was in a I was in a pushchair. I was out with my uncle, just taking me out, you know, walk around the park or whatever. Um, and I just started screaming, and um, you know, obviously I don't remember it. I was I was only little, um, but uh, my eye was all swollen, and you know, went all red around the the area and things like that. So I had to go to the doctors, emergency doctors, who sent me to the hospital. And they discovered I'd been stung in the eye by a bee in the eyeball. So, yeah, it's a case of wrong place at the wrong time. And the thing was, if it was a wasp, I think the damage wouldn't have been um, so bad because a wasp will sting and carry on. But when a bee stings you, the the sting actually breaks off. And that was the problem. So I had the sting in my eyeball, and that's what caused the the damage. How unfortunate was that? You know, I know wrong wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, that was, that was very unfortunate, and you know, um, at, at even to, like to this day, like J- Jamie, how does that affect you when you're? Does it, it it doesn't affect you obviously when you're playing? Dark. No, 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 not at all, not really, because I think you know when I made my first world championship, the press thought it were unbelievable. You know, psychoptic and this night and other, it's incredible because you cannot you can't even see it's on my right hand side. So being right handed, I don't see. You know, I'm left eye dominant because I have to be. Yes. Um, so I don't see my dog till I've thrown it. So it's all muscle memory, really, more than anything. Um, but they're, they're making a big deal of it. And I always thought, you know, it's no big deal to me because I've never known any different. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? That, that, if, I was, yeah. if I was a pro dart player and I was earning a good living and all of a sudden I lost the sight in my eye and I had to start again, yeah, I get that. That would be a big story. But the fact that, you know, maybe I'm just too modest. I don't know. But the fact that, uh, it's never really. I've never known any different. It doesn't really. It doesn't change anything really. No, it's not a big deal yeah. at all. You, you've grown up with it, and so you, you'd like literally. You don't have any vision in the right eye, is it? No, no, no. not at all. And uh, that's it's, it's, it's an unfortunate story. But again, when I've been looking at your profile, Jimmy, before I started, like was uh, just sort of getting the interview together. It's. It's quite an inspirational story, I find, Jimmy, because you've had, you know, you've had a number of setbacks, and you've, you yeah. haven't, you haven't let it affect you in any way. And I really admire that about you in the sense of, well, it's obviously affected you at times in your life. But what I mean is, you've gone on to become, um, like, you know, a professional dart player in a very, uh, it's a tough sport, darts to be uh, successful in, and you've had a, a, a decent amount of success. So it's more credit to mm. yourself, Jimmy. Do you know? 
Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. It led to, uh, I wrote a book in 2013. We released it in 2013 called The Way I See the Game. The I being EYE because yes. of my sight in my eye. I'd been a pro dart player for only five years and I thought, you know what, there's not enough, I've, got, I've not got enough content to really put into like an autobiography or anything like that. So what we decided was I'd write about how, you know, how it's been for me with fighting and my problems with the pancreas, the tumours and things like that, and use it as more of an inspirational account, you know. Yes. So basically if somebody's got any adversity and they want to achieve something, there's no reason why you still can't do that, you know, no matter when it's all the odds are stacked against you. That's a great If you can then go out... <clears throat> And that's what I thought. And if and if that can make one person, you know, turn his life around or her life around and go and achieve something because they've taken inspiration from that, from that book, then that's done its job. Well, me. yeah. Well, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have inspired many, Jamie. And uh, I find your story inspirational, and um, it, it definitely is. And that book, I'm sure, has proven popular with many. I'd say, Jimmy. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's been quite a few sold all over um yeah. i've been all over the world really i've been you know exhibition wise i've been over to australia and new zealand and all over europe i've been to ireland many times yeah. uh, and sold hundreds and hundreds of copies thousands probably um so um and i believe that there's, there's a lot still sells for things like google and stuff like that so yeah i dare say that um that it's been pretty successful yeah what i doubt uh jimmy now I'm going to ask you a few questions, Jimmy. Uh, that uh, uh, well, he's a dart player here locally, and uh, in, okay. in Donegal, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he plays for the county team here in Donegal. I'm pretty sure he plays okay. he plays darts throughout Ireland, and uh, he's put a few questions here to you. His name's Declan Quinn. So, okay. Declan's first question to you is: uh, Any advice on when you're going through a bad spell of form? Would you practice longer? Playing less competitions or keep at it? Definitely keep at it. Um, pra practice more if you need to. Um, when you're playing well, I'd say you probably you probably just need to turn your arm over and just make sure everything's correct. Yes. I mean, there's been times myself, you know, I was saying about putting lots and lots of time in, but when I was really at it and I was, you know, near the top of the rankings in the, in the pro tours and things like that, I'd find that I'd probably just need half an hour just to turn my arm over. You know, because if everything's going right, concert, you know, it's it's going right, so don't no need to worry. If things aren't right, then practice until it gets better, until you can then improve. And so I definitely say, you know, do do as much as you need to do. But if yeah. you're not playing well, then make sure you put it right. Because you see, with a lot of players, there's no there's no real rules or there's no real secret as such. When somebody's playing, they'll stand there at the board all day because it's good. It's a good feeling. Yes. And then all of a sudden, they have a couple of bad throws. They get frustrated, and they're going, "I'm doing nothing different." And then they're trying too hard. Yes, that's that's where it is. You've got to find there's a fine balance when you're playing good darts. You really have to put them down because you're already at the level you need to be at. And that's that's probably the best advice I could give. Yeah. So if you're if you're playing good darts, sort of don't over practice. Maybe. Saying, yeah. Just yeah. just do what you need to do. Do yeah. what you need to do because if you start playing bad. You'll be then trying to force yourself to find where the good stuff is, and then yes. you'll just get frustrated, and then you'll be, and that's what does a lot. It's so mental this game. It's yeah. there's ninety percent in your head. It really is. If you're confident of doing it, you'll do it. Yes, 
And you, you, that's probably the best advice uh, that we can. Yeah, and the same question comes from a different kind of angle on, on the question from Declan. I think you've kind of answered there, to be honest with you. But um, is it important to know what you're doing wrong when you're not playing as well, so well? Um, well, yeah, definitely. If you if you don't know what you're doing wrong, you've got problems, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, because you can't correct it if you don't know what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, Again, it's similar to the last answer really yeah, you have to find yeah. find the fine balance between you know never be afraid to change equipment as well if you're not if you're finding that it's not working for you you might need a lighter or heavier dart you might need um change length of the shaft needs to be different maybe or the flight shape because it's all on you know entry to the board and things like that it's it all counts it all helps if if your target if you can open your target rather than block it it all, it all helps. I'd definitely consider changing if that was necessary, and I'd say that to anybody. Yeah, that's pretty good advice, I'd say there, Jimmy, and uh, I hope Declan takes that on board now. Declan, if you're listening to this, and um, thanks for that advice, Jimmy, to Declan. And no just generally on the dart and Irish darting scene, Jimmy, it's like it darts in Ireland is the sort of there's a number of players coming through the scene. Obviously, you've uh, William O'Connor there, or Willie O'Connor, he's probably better known, and you've Brendan Dolan, and now we've a young player coming through by the name of Keane Barry. And Keane, yeah, I know Keane, yeah, yeah, it's, it's things are things are looking decent for Irish darts, yes, yeah, very much so. There's a lot of very good players. I mean, I've, like I say, I've probably been over to Ireland for exhibition weekends, probably. I don't know, maybe a hundred weekends over the over the years. Yes. Um, and you know, you see a lot of very good players, a lot of good county players that have got the, they seem to have the right attitude and they've got everything's perfect, the stance is fine and all that sort of thing. So, but it's a big gamble trying to take it to that next level. But I, I definitely say that, um, you know, if if you know the ability is there, which many know it is, I think it's worth. Well, having it go certainly yeah. with the way the game is nowadays, but yeah, Irish darts is in a good place at the moment. Yeah. Pursuing it, and of course, uh, when I think of Brennan Dolan, the man from Enniskillen, of course, I, I think of right away the, the history maker. Yes, with a nine darter, yeah. Yeah, it was not a, a double start. Yeah, nine darter at the World Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Great, uh, just uh, I think back to that time, and it's just uh, very special for Irish darts. And Brendan, I must say. Um, has you know he's he's acquitted himself quite well and like he'd, I know I'm sure he'd have, the results aren't ideally what he'd have liked but he's done okay in the last number of years you know he's been competitive in a lot of games I've seen him in against oh the definitely players, yeah yeah definitely and he's still there isn't he he's still on the pro tour he he's still doing it so so yeah fair play to him yeah. yeah, really good. Lovely guy as well. Yeah. Lovely guy. Not an easy game, so it's, uh, you know, it's uh, to be to be competitive in darts because there's so many players mm. now involved. And so to make a living out of it, you have to respect anybody for that, including yourself, Jimmy. Yeah, def- yeah definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I say, I know Brendan really well. Went to his wedding a few years ago. Him yes. and his wedding. It was, it was amazing. And um, it was held just on that week before the, the World Grand Prix. So we headed down to Dublin after the wedding, and yeah, it was a really nice time. And like I say, lovely fella, and he's got a great action. He's got a lovely game. He's got his mindset is terrific. Yes. Um, and you know, I hope he stays there for many years doing it. Yeah. He really is a good player. That's fantastic to hear that you uh, have a close friendship. And um, we're going to move on now, Jamie, to the, the final segment of this interview, which is uh, okay. a, a sort of team. I, I asked you when I contacted you about doing the interview. I I, I said we'll. We'll throw a little theme into the show of your top 10 
of all time of uh, Dart players. And uh, yeah. we'll probably start from number we'll start from number ten, sort of, uh, Jamie. And uh, who have you placed at number ten? Okay, um, this is now obviously buried in mind. Um, obviously, the boards have changed over the years. Yes. you know because back in the late eighties and or mid eighties, you used to have like staples, and the trebles were slightly smaller and. So obviously the staples have now disappeared. The the targets have slightly increased in size. So I've I've had to sort of break this right down Bear that through, uh, yeah, through the through the whole list. Yeah. No okay. So number ten first. We'll go ten to one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So number ten, I've put Jockey Wilson. Yeah. Great. Great player from Scotland. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. This this list could have been anybody could have got in this list to be honest, um, but what I did was I tried to break it down in a way where I'd filter them in where I thought um, where, where I thought they should be with their you know with their uh, their all round game and success and things like that. Yes, um, but Jockey Wilson, I think, because what a character! Um, oh, yeah, it was oh, yeah. Impossible. It was impossible to leave him out. Um, because of who he was and what he brought to the game, and it was a real big name. He was on all sorts of TV shows, and and he had the all he had the all round sort of thing with with the character, and you know he was a fantastic player as well, and a bit yeah. aggressive, and so yeah, definitely number ten. Yeah. I, I have to give a shout out actually to my uh, father in law uh, Charles Gallagher because he used to, he played darts sort of at a local level in Scotland, and uh, yeah. he actually played yeah, Jockey Wilson I think in an exhibition one night and. So I have to give him a shout out there, uh, Charles. But uh, Jockey Wilson, you know, when you look at styles, uh, one just quick word on, on Jockey, like yeah, he, he had such an an orthodox style that if <laughs> if, if you saw uh, somebody a, a sort of a, a teacher, they'd probably say that that could never work. You know yeah, I mean? definitely. But uh, Jockey, definitely. Jockey made it work. You know. Yeah, he did. He, when you when you watched him throw, sometimes when. When you see the snatch that he sort of had, you'd think he was going to hit the marker or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he had his way, and it worked for him. So yeah, you know, yeah. it was really good and always good entertainment watching him. Yeah. Number nine, Jimmy. Num- number nine, I've gone for Bobby George. Oh yes. Bobby uh... George. Bobby George never really won anything massive. He won the News of the World a couple of times, and he won a lot of the the big open tournaments but I don't think he ever won the world championship no, or he, he got to a couple of finals didn't he he was runner up I think um, yeah, in, in, the, in the BDO in 96 yeah I think twice it was. yeah I, th- I, th- I think John, once yeah. against Bristow John Park uh, John Park beat him 94 that was I think yes that was the first one after the breakaway um, and he broke his back in the semi-final if I remember correctly he That's beat right. Magnus Karras in the semi-final with a broken back yeah but is again the entertainment side, uh, King of Bling. He's I've worked with him a couple of times in you know in the last few years as well, uh, in exhibitions and things like that. Uh, he's still got all that the razzmatazz with it, and he's, he's in his seventies now, but he still he still knows how to put a show on and how to entertain people. So Great character, yeah, and, number, uh, you know, yeah, uh, my, very my, much. My memory, funny of Bobby George, is that again that that unique style, you know, very yeah, very yeah. unique style where it's almost like. A, a sort of catapult almost style where he brings it back. Yeah, pulls it over, pulls it over to the left hand side of yeah. his face. Yeah, left eye dominant. See, but it's um, yeah, it's, it's and a, yeah, that great style. Yeah, good, good guy, and really, you know, entertaining. And a, a lot of the housewives used to love him. Oh yes, <laughs> and some of them do. The old girls, 
Joe goes love him that yes. he's really funny. He does put on a great show. You know, Bob Yeah, Bob he Bob. does. Yeah. Number does. number eight, Jimmy. Number eight, Dennis Priestley. Oh, One of the slow yeah. players, but what a man. Jesus, what a man. Come on in the early nineties, didn't he? He'd always been a good player, county dot player for Yorkshire, always very dangerous. But he um he used to be unbelievable on his cover on the Treble eighteens and Another lovely, lovely guy. Somebody I've worked with a lot over the last few years. Yeah. A real nice fella as well. Um, always got time for everybody. Perfect gentleman uh, and a fantastic champion. Yeah, and people, my memory of, of right away that comes to the top of my head about Dennis Priestley is I think he won the very first PDC World Championship. Uh, he did, yeah. Yeah, That's and correct. Uh, he beat Phil in the final. Yeah, yeah, and I can remember them games against Phil because so well because that was when I first started watching darts and. Uh, he he really did run Phil close in a lot of finals after that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to be uh, uh, they were best buddies as well for a long, long while. They yeah. used to travel together and all that. And you know, the rivalry was always there on the board, but they also had a great friendship off the board. And, well, you know, I, re- I remember it was almost like an annual uh, thing, the Priestley Taylor final for many years there. It was. Yeah, like, it yeah, was, we, yeah. I, th- I think if Phil wasn't a bear sure Dennis would probably go on to have maybe 10, 10 world championship wins maybe. I'd agree with that to be honest with you because he was like a very dominant player That and again coming back mm. to that thing about his speed, fluency it probably would affect some players that you know. Yeah yeah I dare say so Yeah. Um, but again you know that was Dennis's way and Dennis's game and you'd never rush him um, but he, he was absolutely brilliant um, and the way he used to bang the 140s, 180s and then, you know, you'd see him, he'd block the treble and go over to the 18s and he'd ping two treble 18s and it's like such a kick in the, yeah. in the nuts for you, you know what I mean? If you stood behind him seeing that. But, a really granite but, match uh, there, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Number seven. Fantastic guy. Yeah. Number seven, very good friend of mine, very, very good friend of mine, around the same sort of era, uh, world champion 1988, Bob Anderson. Oh, yes, the right Stone Cowboy. Yes, um... He was he was world master three years running. Um, I think that's been matched by Glenn Durant. But the thing with when Bob did it, I think it was it was was it five six seven he did it. I think it was age four age yes. four age five age six or five six seven. But, but the times that Bob did it, everybody went in at the same level. You know the same first round, so he's had to play all weekend to win it, and did it three times on the trot. Yes. Later on, when when Durant's done it, obviously it's, a, it's still a, a brilliant athlete to do. It's still a great achievement. But the seeds didn't go in until like the last thirty-two or so. There were sixteen seeds going when you had you had sixteen players qualify through the rounds, and then the top sixteen to join them to make the last thirty-two. So I'm not taking it away from Glenn's achievements, but he's not mean. had to play all the way through the tournament no, the way that Bob did it. But it was a harder slog for Bob, I suppose, in that sense. And, like, yeah. when, I, when I think of Bob, one thing I, that springs to my memory of Bob is whenever he'd get a maximum, he'd always put the finger out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> always, like the little the little wink and the point. Yeah. And the I, aggressiveness. I love that. To love it. I, I love that. Yeah. I love to see that in a competitor. Yeah, we worked we work together quite a bit doing the exhibitions and stuff. We're very close. Um, yeah. With with his wife Sally and and my wife Debbie, of course, we uh, we always get together if you know we're working together and go for meals and things like that, and it's really nice. And uh, yeah, he's still as um, he's he, you know he's still as good these days. You can still chuck a mean dart again. He's he's in his seventies as well because obviously, like I say, it's forty yeah. probably forty years ago when he was 
playing at his best 30, 40 years ago. Um, but still, he can still do it. So, still, um, still and he's a lovely guy. Yeah, and he's still very good. So. Number six, Jimmy? Number six, I've gone for John Lowe. Oh, yeah, the old stone face. Yeah, I've gone for John Lowe because um, I think when, when Darts was... When it was first up, John was like the second ever world champion in 1979, I believe it was. Um, his throw was the model perfection. Yes. His, his actual, you know, his address to the board and, you know, he's call him stone face, of course, because you'd never see any... Emotion. Anything, he'd never give anything away, no. And it, it just... And his, his throw never changed. Exactly the same. Perfect. Nothing ever moved, just the forearm. Elbow dead still. Everything else was perfectly still. What a player. Three times world champion. He's got to be in there. So and number six. And the decades as well. He did it. He did the 70s, 80s and 90s. That's right. Three decades. Yeah. yeah incredible. Uh, great. Um, obviously the nine darter as well. Um, yeah. On TV. First televised nine darter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just, I love that nine darter. He done, you know, the footage. You know, I know Paul Lim. Um, I always get that mixed up actually. Wasn't it John Lowe was the first to do televised? Uh, John Lowe was the first televised. And what was Paul Lim? Um, Paul Lim was, was, it, was that the first at the World Championship, Paul Lim? Paul Lim was the first well, uh, first in the World Championship, yeah. yeah. Um, John Lowe's was the first televised, although it wasn't live. It wasn't, it was I played see. and then it was shown. I so see. it was on a big stage. But I think he won 100 grand or 102 grand, I think it was, back in, back in the day. Yes. So it was like big 1983, money. 84. Oh, big money now, still 102,000. Yeah. So, I wouldn't sniff it, so you can imagine. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah, definitely. That. Yeah, but uh, no, oh, definitely. Great player, uh, John Lowe, and um, uh, just uh, definitely one of the icons of the sport. And uh, we move on to number five, Jimmy. Number five, Gary Anderson. Oh, yeah, the, the flying Scotsman. Gary Anderson, what a player. Yeah. Another very quick player. Like I say, you know, the, the fluency's there. When Gary's on it, I honestly believe this. When Gary's at his best, we've seen it over the years where he's he's been really on pump when he won the back-to-back world championships and things like that. But when Gary is actually at his best, I would probably put him against any other player ever at their best. Yes, that's big praise. Even, including including Taylor, Van Gerwen, yeah. Barneville, all of them over the years when everyone's at their best. It wouldn't surprise me one bit to see Gary beat him up. Well, I would agree. Because when he's yeah. flying, he's, he's unstoppable. I would agree with that in the sense of when I've seen Anderson won his two world titles there, you know. Hmm. Uh, t- t- Taylor obviously was coming to the back end of his c- career then, but uh, Gary Anderson was never phased by playing the likes of Phil Taylor. No, no, not at all. Maybe, he, he thrived on it, if anything. And many players were down through the years phased, but Gary Gary was one of them players that um, he, he, I would have to say Gary Anderson is my favourite player um, yeah. of all time to watch. In mm, terms of when, yeah, he, when, I he, agree. when he's in a rhythm, though, he's just so, it's just so good to watch. Oh yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's he's really he's really unbelievable when he's when he's going at it. You know, everybody. You know, when when you see a player throw good darts it's it's good to see but I think it's probably the fact that he's, he's very fast but he has got sort of like a, a purpose to his throw he don't like Van Gogh and he's all in one loop same as Michael Smith there's no stop no. do you know what I mean they they just pull up and bang which is good which is fine Gary's got that sort of he sort of aims it as he as he throws right. it, if you know more, what I mean. More, more maybe de- maybe de- not deliberate. More deliberate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see where you're coming from there, but no, definitely a, a great player, Gary Anderson, and 
Number four, um, Jimmy. Number four, uh, Raymond Van Barneveld. Oh, yes, to Barney, and I don't think many would uh, argue with that. Five-time world champion. Yeah, he's, he's done so much. He, he put darts in Holland on the map. The way that the, the game has gone in Holland over the sort of 90s onwards is um, unreal. And that was all down to Barney, really, to be honest. Um, yes. Because he, he, he played in a couple of world championships in the early 90s. Uh, didn't really fare too well. Uh, he, won his, he won his first in 98, I think it was. But from that point, the game just exploded in Holland, and he's, he's a, you know, he's a star over there. Obviously, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a global star as far as darts is concerned. Of course, well, he is. Um, yeah, but he, he, yeah. I think with his achievements, what he's done over the over the time, you know, and you know, he's got to a lot of finals as well. And let's not forget that, although it doesn't really count on a CV as such. But his his contribution to the game was magnificent. He does have his. Is is um, you know is is the pundits do say that you know he doesn't look interested sometimes or he can't be bothered, but you know I think that goes with anything. Sometimes if you if you don't perform at your best, you're going to get you're going to get pulled down anyway. So, but but for me as a, as a guy, some fans say he's been a bit rude to them and things like that. I can't really I can't say anything on that because I wasn't there. But he's always been good with me, and I've I've never really witnessed him being poor poor act poorly towards anybody but certainly deserves to be on this list and yeah. I think number four is a good spot for him that final against Taylor in 2007 as well will never be forgotten wow the sudden yeah, the, 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 in the PDC yeah. yeah and I think that was actually the last tournament at the Circus Tavern uh, it was because my first one was the following year That's and right. it was the first uh, Ali Pali yeah Ali Pali yeah Barnevelt is definitely uh, uh, you know, a, a great name an iconic name of darts mm. again and uh, number three Jimmy Number three, I've gone for the Green Machine MVG. Oh, number yes. three, what a what a what a sensation this guy has been over the last ten years. Yeah, of course. I mean, you don't even need no um, introduction, does he? With with what he's achieved, and he's, he's still you know still at it now. He's still there thereabouts. His his form has not been the best over the last few months, but you know he's, he's changed manufacturer sponsor so that's probably something to do with it getting his darts right still probably getting used to them um but yeah he's, he's still going to win more more big yeah. events for sure he's he's only in his early he's just turned 30 i think so yeah. he's not you know i mean he's still a baby in effect he's done a lot um, he's done a lot in the game still, you know oh yeah he's done, he's done loads he, he has massive potential as a young kid everyone was on about him um when he was sort of like the age of 14, 15 or so, he was winning big tournaments, big BBO stuff. And he had the world at his feet, really, or at his fingertips. Um, yes. And then he went quiet for a while. Uh, we didn't hear much of him. And then he got his chance in the World Grand Prix when he played Merv King, I think. Um, uh, Merv was miles in front, and Michael come back and won it. And he won that. And then he seemed to go on this rampage where he'd win everything that, that sort of came along. And he was playing, it was, you know, again, Taylor was sort of just coming towards the beginning of the end of his of his tenure, if you like. But Michael was dispatching him with no problem, like nobody else could. And it was just all of a sudden, it was like, all of a sudden there's two two top players now. And it was really yeah. refreshing and good to see for the game, really. So, fearless, a fearless character, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely aggressive as you need to be. Uh, lots of lived and breathed the game. And, and rightly so, he's, he's made his money 
doing it. He's, he, I guess, he's a multi-millionaire. Um, so yeah, it's like you say before about life-changing sums of money within the sport. He done that over five years, I guess. Yeah, the space for about five years. He he, he earned a, an absolute packet. So fair play to him. Definitely deserves his place. There at number three and number two, um, Jimmy. Number two, I will go with Eric Bristow. Yeah, sadly, of course. The, the the crafty cockney passed away of course uh, in the last number of years but uh, what this guy has done for darts there probably hasn't been as many influences as big as Eric Bristow in the world of darts yeah. uh, Eric was my hero as a as a kid um, you either it was Marmite when you either loved him or hated him he had so much arrogance and swagger but I think you need that there's a, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance yes and a lot of the time he overstepped that line but he didn't care He'd walk into a he'd walk into a venue. He'd look round and then say to all the other players, "I don't even know why you're here because I'm winning." This. <laughs> and that's before a dart's thrown. That's before he'd even put his flights in. And sure, you know, nine times out of ten, he'd win it. He delivered because he just knew he knew how to do it. He knew how to to put people off without overstepping the mark. You know, without cheating, if you like. So he, he, yeah. he just put that he put doubt into their head before they even started to play. Um, and he was the master at it, yeah. and he was brilliant, and I loved him. And the thing, the thing for me, if this sort of can, I always say this in, you know, when people ask about my career and bits and bobs, what's the best thing you've achieved? And I, I always refer to this. Eric was my hero when I was a kid, um, and if you'd have told me when I was a kid that my hero would become one of my best friends, and you know, I could pick the phone up at any time of the day if I had any problem with personal stuff or the game itself and ring somebody and that be that man that was my hero that I think that sort of justifies yeah. my career as a yeah and he was he was absolutely fabulous guy absolutely fabulous yeah. he was hated by so many people but um, but I loved him and you either like I say you loved him or you hated him and for me he was the man just to, you know, in terms of the influence he had on the sport as well, you know, and you talk about um, there probably isn't enough like Eric Bristow in the sense of people down through the years. Eric was that kind of person he called a spade a spade, from what I've seen. Definitely. Yeah. And, Definitely. And, you know, a lot of people don't like that kind of style, but to me, I actually admire it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you'd rather you'd rather know where you stand, I think. Yeah. You know, if he, if he didn't like you, he'd tell you. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be it, and you know whether you like it or not. And then he say, "Well, I'm not going to talk about you behind your back." Yeah. And then you know what? When you when you look at it, you'd rather be everybody be like that, I think, because you do, you know. So he's, he doesn't make him a snake or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Because at least he's being honest. Well, and I, I, I quite yeah. admire that. Uh, definitely an admirable uh, trait, and of course a, a great player, two uh, five time world champion. Oh, he, he, yeah. he taught the world to play, didn't he? Really? He, 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 when you think darts. If you if you're not sort of if you're born before 2000, I think you'd say Eric Bristow. Every I think everybody would say Eric Bristow if they were born in the last millennium. Oh yeah, uh, since then, since then they'd say Taylor, wouldn't they? Of course, yeah. but um, uh, but yeah, definitely he put darts yeah. on the map for sure. Yeah, number one then, Jimmy, uh, and this is number one mm. of the, of your uh, your top ten dart players of okay. all time. I, I think I think everybody knows where this is going. Yes. Um I've, I've mentioned everybody apart from this guy. Um, it's me. No, not really. It's not <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> I'll say, uh, obviously, I'll say Phil Taylor. Yes. Um, 16 times world champ, 16 times match play champ. 
He's won, oh, I wouldn't even know where to say, he's probably won 80 televised ranking events, major tournaments. That's scary. He's probably won, he's probably won a thousand or more tournaments over the world. Um, still busy doing the exhibitions. I think there's a place for him in the sport if he wants to return. You can't, I can't say enough about him. I, don't, I think everybody has their own opinions on him. Everybody has their own discussions about him. But my God, what a player. What a player. Around 2010, I'd say sort of 10 years ago, when he, he was at his absolute pump then. He was at his best. Yeah, he was untouchable. Oh, you know, I say about Gary be, being able to to sort of beat anybody. But to be honest with you, nobody nobody ever would get near Phil around no. that sort of time. He, he was just yeah. unbelievable. Whatever it was, um, Phil, you know, in, in terms of watching him too, though, Jimmy, in, in big events, you know, yeah. it, it was almost like, with all due respect to the people he was be- beaten, in the sense of, you know, they were all good players he was beaten when he was winning these World Championships. Yeah. But it was almost like, Definitely. Taylor was that good, it was almost like a foregone conclusion in, at, at certain times. Mm, yeah, that, I mean, if you know what he I mean. won it, won it, I think he won it like eight years on the trot, didn't he, the World Championship? Yes. Um, and there was a time, um, there was like a period of time where he won it eight years on the trot, but in all fairness as well, um, if this has to be put in. I think during that time, there was never more than probably a another to compete with him. There was only ever one or maybe two that would have a... Do you know what I mean? The rest were also rants, to be honest, to That's be brutally true. honest. Well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> right. You're right, because I think, you know, we mentioned Dennis Priestley there. Then I, yeah. I, I seem to recall then, uh, Rod Harrington and Peter Manley. Yeah, Peter Manley had a go with him as well for a couple of years. You know, but uh, yeah. but in, all, in all fairness, yeah, he only had like one or two uh, each particular time, whereas now there's probably half a dozen that can win it. In all fairness, you've got the likes of Price that's doing great. You've got... Obviously, Van Gerwen's always going to be there. You've got... Peter um, Wright, yeah. You know, Peter I, obviously, the world champ. Um, and just touching on this, this is how tough this picking this 10 players is. I've not even mentioned Peter I or Gerwen Price, yeah. Mervyn King, Adrian Lewis. I could go on forever. It probably probably would have been easy for me to do a top 50 rather than a top 10. Oh, top 10 is, is tough, but... Uh, it is yeah. it's brutal, mate. But, but I've tried to keep it with a mix, you know, with the older players. The older generation, bearing in mind the boards have changed, etc. Yeah. So I've not even put myself in. Now that's no. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> you had to fit yourself in there somewhere, Jimmy. And but I should have. I should have. But I must say again, come back to Phil Taylor again, mm. molded by Eric Bristol, really and truly at the beginning. Yes, definitely, definitely. He, he started him off. He didn't pull him off the street and teach him how to play darts. He could play darts to a really good level. But he spotted that in Phil. Phil wasn't on a big big wage job, and he said. You're, I'm, I'm going to turn you into a world champion. Yeah. And his first world championship played Bristol in a final and hammered him. That's right. So, yeah. he, and he said, I've created a monster. <laughs> um, but, you know, and everyone was saying, but Eric, you're a monster anyway. He's yeah. like, well, there's double trouble now. <laughs> it was, it was just, uh, I, I used to say about Taylor, like for me, like when I watched him in, in, his, pr- in his prime, like he was the closest thing I'd say to him. I know Michael Van, Van Gerwen's known as the Green Machine. But to me, Phil Taylor is the closest thing to a, I've seen to a machine in the sense of even when he'd missed the, you know, the, for example, the rare occasion that he would go over the the bed of the triple twenty, you know, hmm. he'd always the amount of times that he would hit the triple nineteen cover. Yeah, twice. Yeah, twice as well. Yeah, and, and I go, how can you? It's so impressive to be able to, you know, to make that transition down the t- hmm. down the board. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, my point is the frequency 
that he used to the mm. accuracy of his game was quite scary. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I remember I played him in a final, um, one of the Pro Tour finals. It was UK Open qualifier, Northwest or something like that. I think this was about 2011, maybe. And he was just unstoppable. And I played him in the final. He beat me 6-0. I had one dart at the ball. And Phil's average was 128. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. I had one dart, one dart at the ball in six weeks. My average was 107. It's a tough school, Jimmy. And I had... And, and I had one dart at the bullseye. That's crazy. So, there yeah, we go. That just shows you. And uh, I would say most people would, if you did a poll, I would say most people would agree that Phil Taylor is the greatest. Uh, yeah. Based on longevity, based on the, the, you know what what he done over a, a, the amount of tournaments that he's won, 16 match plays, you know. Yeah. And uh, I suppose it's very hard to argue that he, he definitely, you know, at, at number one is, is deserving that. And, uh, mm, thank you, definitely. Jimmy, for compiling that list because I know it wasn't an easy task. No, not at all. The times I've changed it is unreal. I've, I've got a full book of A4 and I started at the beginning. I think I've got about six sheets left because <laughs> I've changed my mind that much. Yeah, but that's a fascinating list was, and, you know, it really is. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, the first four or five were easy enough. But then to sort of try and categorise everybody else because I try to give it my best, yes. you know, and give a, a, a proper... A proper list that I've, you know, and give reason yeah, for it. But, I really but the times that the last five or six have changed is <laughs> unbelievable. Well, they are, they are such, you know, there's a lot of people and indeed would would switch them about in different ways. And you probably, you know, it would be hard to argue as well. You know, the, the top five could be hmm. arguably in, in a slight different order for many people. But I think generally there's not many would would argue what, what you're doing. Yeah, it's probably be them five in yeah. a different order maybe. But, but um, like, like I say, though, you know, in, the list would probably change loads over, you know, if we did this again in 10 years' time. Yeah. I'm sure the likes of Peter Wright would be in there. Gerwin Price would be in there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a load of players. I mean, talking of longevity, look at Steve Beaton. I mean, he's, he's been... That's right. Like he's the a fresh yeah. face. He's a fresh-faced little boy still, yeah, almost. He just plays the game. He's still... You won't ruffle game. him or... You know, and he's not, and he's not been in the list. He's a former no. world champion. Great, a lot of, a lot of great well, players so. down through the years. And, uh, Jamie, I'd, I'd like to, to round up the interview by saying a massive thank you for your time and because I've, I've kept you for the guts of an hour and a fascinating, yeah, no a really fascinating uh, chat with you, Jamie. And um, I must say, I really respect your, your story uh, in, in darts and indeed your life story in the sense of, you know, you, you had setbacks and you haven't let it sort of derail what you've become today, yeah. which is which is basically an inspiration to many thousands of people. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. So, uh, Jamie, uh, it's a, definitely a big thank you for giving me your time for this podcast, and I'll be watching with interest even more so now, your your career from here on in, because, as I say, I've always enjoyed watching you up to now, and um, I definitely wish you all the very best for the future uh, in uh, professional Cheers, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, matey. Thanks very really much, appreciate Jimmy. it. Thanks. Thank you very Cheers, much. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was episode number 29 of the Time Out podcast and uh, with my guest, Jamie Kevin, who, of course, is a professional dart player. Uh, I hope that you did enjoy it. Episode number 30 is on the way in the coming weeks. So until next time, it's goodbye. <laughs>